Hey, uh, the title of the message today is Faith in Jesus Changes Everything. And uh, I want to get after that. We're in this Power Player series, and we've been talking about uh, five major things that you've got to have in your life. The first thing was serving others. The second thing was not betraying others. And then the third thing was loving one another. And now today, uh, faith and hope in Jesus Christ and in him alone. So that's what we're going for. Let me just start with this as a way of introduction. Um, do you understand what I'm talking about when I say troubled heart? I think you do. Uh, let me describe it for you, though. Let me use some words that will paint a picture for you, uh, since we don't have a screen that I can throw stuff up. Um, and let me just paint a few words for you. So um, here's what's troubling to me. Um, and maybe to you as well, the halftime show last week during the Super Bowl. Um, I didn't watch that. Um, praise the Lord. My wife shut it off before I came downstairs. But um, man, I, I heard from just tons of people this week that it was really troubling and uh, that they couldn't believe that it was on television. And, and, and again, I'm not judging. I don't know. I just, I just, man, I know a lot of people are troubled by it. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, our leadership in our nation is troubling right now from, um, you know, someone ripping up a presidential speech this week to um, just the debacle in Iowa. And I don't I don't know what to think of our national leadership right now, other than I know that the word of God says that we need to respect, love and pray for our leaders. But, man, the state of our nation is troubling right now. And. Uh, I think of a few other things, wars, rumors of wars, uh, terrorism. Uh, I think of, um, you know, abortion. Very troubling to me uh, that we would murder uh, innocent babies, life. Um, I think about sex, sex trafficking. Again, that, that brings me back to the uh, halftime show of last time, uh, Super Bowl. You know, when they say the Super Bowl is where it's a lot of sex trafficking happens. And I think of the abuse and the oppression of that and the suffering and it makes my heart be troubled that people are hungry today, uh, famine, disease, that people are sick today. Um, some people, you know, may have received a diagnosis this week that, you know, they don't have long to live. That's troubling. And uh, that kind of brings us back to uh, where we're at with Jesus Christ. He's saying to his disciples, um, hey, I'm going to the cross. And they're troubled. They're really troubled. Now, I just want to point this out. I don't know what it is in your life. I've tried to paint a lot of pictures, but uh, here's how you'll know what it is in your life, okay? It's that thing that keeps you up late at night, tossing, turning, <laughs> can't sleep. So consumed, so anxious about whatever it is, that's it. That's the one. That's the troubled heart. You know, when you stand in the shower and it's been a long time and you're staring off into space, but you're thinking and your heart is troubled. That's the thing that's troubling your heart today. You know, when uh, <laughs> you don't want to even go to church, maybe that was you today. You're like, oh, I'm so glad they canceled because I can't even be in the room. If I got in the room and we started singing or reading the word, the tears would just flow. I'm so hurting. It's hard. I'm lonely and sad. And uh, I just, you know, I just think those things are what is troubling to you. 
And so um, here in John chapter 14, if you want to open your Bible, um, that's where we left off, John 13, 38. And uh, Jesus had just given these guys some really troubling news. He said that he was leaving. He said they couldn't go with him. He said Judas would betray him. He said Peter would deny him. Can you think of the confusion and the pain surrounding him? But not only that, if you remember last week, I said um, Jesus had told them, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. (laughs) If that's not troubling, I don't know what's troubling. And so um, all of this is sitting right on the phrase when he says, let's just read it in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that you that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's comforting. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Brent will spend more time on that next next week. Uh, because he's going to the Father, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. That's the important part right there. And then it says this, in verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So that's our food for today. I just want to take a few minutes of your time, and I want to tell you why you shouldn't be troubled. So uh, I'll just use this as a prop phrase. I'm not troubled because I'm not troubled, you know, all the trouble that we talked about all the things in your life that are probably stirring, churning your stomach. Um, I got a flight today. I'm supposed to fly out. Am I going to get on it? Like all these things that are making your heart be anxious. Can we put those away in Jesus name? And uh, I'm not troubled because number one, I believe Jesus made room for me. I just need you to know that. I believe it and I know it's true. Jesus made room for me and he made room for you. The word troubled here is interesting. It means agitated or stirred, churned up. It's a soul agitation. And uh, heart is the seat of your emotions, your thinking, your feeling, the things you choose. 
Um, so it's the center of your being. It's your intellect, emotion, and will. And what he's saying here is not just let not your hearts be troubled. If you, if you read that in the Greek, it's, it's literally stop letting. Stop letting your heart be troubled. So right now, I know this doesn't sound good to you right now, but I'm just saying stop. Stop worrying. Stop troubling. Stop fussing. Stop anxiety. Stop. Um, stop it in Jesus' name. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. So here's the thing. Um, this will help. Um, Jesus was troubled. Did you know that? Jesus was troubled back in uh, chapter 11, verse 33. In John 11, 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Did you know that about Jesus? He was troubled. Also in uh, John 12, 27, look at that reference. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come for this hour. Even Jesus was troubled. Do you know that? So being troubled is not a sin. But being troubled in your spirit can lead to sin. It can lead you to worry. It can lead you to anxiousness. So having a troubled heart, not a sin. And Jesus handled his troubled heart. And you know what? He can handle yours as well. He gets it. He feels it. He can carry your troubled heart, and he can carry you. And you need to know that. You need to know that he is ready to take your troubled heart and hold it, and, and, and you can have faith in him. So I believe Jesus made room for me. So just look at the next phrase there. Um, in my father's house are many rooms. Maybe you've heard it said mansions. It'd be really weird to have mansions in, inside of one house. So it, it, it's a better translation to say rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and pre prepare a place for you? No, Jesus isn't a liar. He's not going to tell you, yeah, I'm going to go do something and not do it. So in God's house, Jesus has spent time preparing a place for you. That should make you calm down right now. That should make you have faith. Jesus wants you to be with him forever in God's house. So he's made room for you. How comforting to know that Jesus made room for me and you. The second point, uh, I'm not troubled because I believe Jesus will come back to get me. I believe Jesus will come back to get me. Again, Jesus doesn't lie, and he says it right here in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, which he did, he did go away. He died on a cross for you, and he rose from the, from the dead. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The disciples must have breathed a huge sigh of relief. Jesus had said, I'm going somewhere you can't come. But he said, after that, I'm coming back and I'm going to be with you. And by the way, I'm going to take you to be with me forever. Uh, just write these two words down, together forever. Together forever. I believe Jesus will come back to get me. And uh, these words here, come again. Those are, those are interesting. Come again. Are you thinking, well, when is that, that going to happen? When, when is he going to come again? Um, so there's three possibilities, and I'm just going to uh, give them to you. Uh, one, the resurrection. Well, he did raise from the dead. He did come back. 
two, at Pentecost, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, Brent will talk about the Holy Spirit next week and can't wait. Uh, that's a power player for sure. But then this, option three, second coming, the return of Jesus Christ. So which is it? If I was in church with you, I'd have you raise your hand. Do you want option one, resurrection? Do you want option two, uh, Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit? Uh, or do you want option three, the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ? Wh which one? Are you bold? Are you? Come on now. Families can fight over it at home. Here's the thing. You know those options D, all of the above? That's the option you want to circle on this one, okay? It's all three. Jesus came at the resurrection. Jesus came to the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people were saved in Acts 2. And Jesus is coming again with more power than you ever experienced. And uh, it's all of that, and that should encourage you. Um, again, like I said, I'm going to be traveling this week. And uh, when I travel... Um, my wife and I are going to a senior pastor's retreat. And when I travel, um, I always get this question, especially for my daughter, but all my kids will ask it. Uh, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And no matter how many times I tell them, I'm coming back on this day at this time. This is when the plane's supposed to arrive. You know what? They still have so many questions. And that leads me into the third point. I believe Jesus is the answer to all my questions. Look at, look at this next verse, verse 5. Thomas said to him, don't we call him Doubting Thomas? Yeah, I want to put that to death because uh, wasn't it just uh, a few chapters before that Doubting Thomas said uh, when Lazarus was uh, uh, killed and, and in the grave, he said, hey, let's go with him, even to death. I don't think he was a doubter. I think he was maybe pessimistic in a way, but here he had questions and he got answers and he never really said anything again. So right here, Thomas has lots of questions and he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How will we know the way? And this is kind of uh, interesting because Jesus just said that they did know the way and they did know where he was going. So um, I'm just wondering, would you like to think Thomas is telling the truth or Jesus? I'm going to pick Jesus, okay? So Jesus doesn't lie. Here he's saying, I told you. And um, what is the where? I mean, do we know? Because we've read John, right? The where is he's going to the Father in heaven. And what is the way? The way is Jesus Christ, through his death, we all can have resurrection and life in Jesus Christ. And so these things had already been answered. John 3, 16 is already in the books. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's already been stated. And so um, I think what's important here, and I think what you got to take uh, note of, is, is that he wanted more specifics. It wasn't that he didn't know where or didn't know the way. He wanted more specifics. And sometimes we want more specifics too. God doesn't tell us everything. He just tells us some things in his word. And so that can cause us to kind of doubt and worry. Well, I don't know. What about this? And if we just knew the timing or the specifics, if we just knew how this trial would end, if I just knew what would come from it, then everything would be okay. And I would just like to say to you, um, I think those questions, while they're valid, um, 
are probably left unanswered in the moment because the answers might cripple you and crush you. And so just trying to have faith that God in his, in his word knows what's best for you. So the question really is, do you trust God? That's the question on the table. With your troubled heart, can you trust God? Jesus made it clear in verse 6, and here it is. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Do you know Jesus Christ? I know you have lots of questions. The Bible has lots of answers. If you read it and it becomes alive in you, it'll be springs of living water to you. And so Jesus answers, I am. This is the sixth I am in chapter uh, in John. I won't tell you all the others for sake of time, but this says he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to everything. He's the truth about everything. He's the life everyone needs. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. How narrow is that way? You think Jesus is narrow-minded? There's only one way. What about everybody else that believes everything else and not Jesus? Where are they going? I just want to, that's troubling to me, by the way. I just want to say that out loud. But here's the thing you need to understand. The mystery isn't that there's only one way to God, and it's Jesus. The real amazing thing is that there's a way at all. Because our sin demands a punishment. It demands that we be put to death. Sin brings death. And it's God's mercy and grace that there's one way, that there's a way, and his name is Jesus. That should bring you comfort, that there's a way around our stinking sin. Number four, I'm not troubled because I believe Jesus made room for me. I believe Jesus will come back to get me. I believe Jesus is the answer to all my questions and this. I believe Jesus helps me in my unbelief. I really want to know Jesus. I really want to know God. And so Philip kind of says, well, hey, if that's true, um, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Like, just show us and we'll believe. And uh, Jesus says, and you can just, can you sense the, the disappointment? Um, well, here, let me just say it to you this way. As a preacher, I love to preach the word. I came here to the office today to preach the word to you uh, through a snowstorm because I just love preaching the word. And I love it when people respond to God's word. So I hope you're responding by faith right now. But I do understand, and it is the hardest thing in preaching and teaching God's word, that there are times that myself and others around me who hear the word turn from the word and disobey it. They don't obey the word. And that creates a disappointment in me. And uh, I can relate to Jesus here when he says, and you can just see the disappointment in his voice. Have I been with you for so long? Have I told you all of this and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And then he gives these two proofs of his character. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. The words Jesus spoke 
He spoke because the Father gave those words to him. That's his character, to listen to the Father and to say what he says. And then he says, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So words and works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. The miracles that he did were astounding. If you're not going to believe because of the message, believe because of the miracles. If you just read the Gospels, it's amazing what Jesus Christ has done. And so all that Jesus has said, all that Jesus has done, powerfully worked in people's lives, that helps me in my unbelief. When I look back and I see the authority of his words and I see the amazement of his works, it makes me want to know to read to learn more about Jesus. Here's the problem though. I wrote it down and I want to say it this way. The problem with me is that I think the problem is with everything, everyone else, even God. See, this is what Philip's doing. He's like, I have a problem. I need some answers, right? And uh, I have some unbelief. If you just show me this, I'll get it. So let me ask you this. Is the problem Jesus or is the problem Philip? Is the problem Jesus? Is the problem me? I had to come face to face with that this week. And I know the problem's me. I know the problem's my unbelief, not God's lack of power, not God's lack of true words, not God's lack of miracles. The problem is my unbelief. Jesus will claim everything, Jesus will calm every fear, every trouble, every troubled heart, if you let him. Would you just take your unbelief right now and just push it off? Push it onto God's broad shoulders and ask him in Jesus' name to take your unbelief. See, that's the fifth point. I believe Jesus invites me to participate in his work. And it's from uh, verses 12 through 14. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So let me just say this about that. Ask Jesus. Ask the Father. Ask him to save you from your sins. Ask him to free you from your doubt. Ask him to use your life in a powerful way. This faith that we're talking about today, this faith in Jesus Christ, it changes everything. It's a power player. It will take your weary heart and make it alive. It will take your broken heart and make it new. It will take your troubled heart and it will heal it in Jesus' name. So ask him. Two things here, um, greater works. You're like, hey, how could you do greater works than Jesus? He fed 5,000 people. He walked on water. What are we really talking about here? That seems kind of ludicrous. Well, here's the thing. He's not talking about greater works as in Jesus, you know, for three and a half years walked the earth, did all these miracles. But do you understand that he sent the Holy Spirit? Again, you got to be back next week to hear about the Holy Spirit. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And from Pentecost to today, over 2,000 years, miracles have been happening. Healings have been happening. All these things have been happening. 3,000 people got saved on the first Sunday in Jesus' name. 
And he's saying, this is so much greater than my three and a half year ministry. This is so much greater than me walking on water. That was pretty cool. But this is so much greater. And I believe that. And then this, whatever you ask in my name. Sometimes we get stuck on that. And we think we just got a tag in Jesus name, amen, on the back of our prayers. I just want to say to you that that's not it. It's not this magic formula you put on the back of your prayer. What it is, is a filter for every prayer you pray. It's a filter for praying according to God's will. If you're not praying it for Jesus' name, for Jesus' fame, for God's glory, don't pray it. (laughs) And that's what he's saying. He's not saying tag something on to, I want a Lamborghini, in Jesus' name, amen. He's saying filter everything you pray through these words that it's for Jesus Christ, it's for his glory, and everything that you ask in that way will be given to you in Jesus' name. He says there, I will do it. Can I close our service this way? These are great truths. You can, you can turn over to 1 John 5, 13 and 15, and uh, John later expounds on that to pray the will of God. But I'm just going to close our service right here with this. Last week, a girl got saved in our church. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so good. Made me, it made me cry. It made me cheer. I was so excited. And here's why. Because we had prayed uh, for this girl, uh, many of us, for, for, I don't know, over a year. And patiently waited for God's timing and God's will to be done. We know it's God's will that people would be saved. We know that he wants to do that. But we didn't know when. And we had to wait and trust him. And then when it came, that was the answer to all of our prayers. So I'm glad we asked him in Jesus' name. And uh, here's what I want to say about that. That brought a lot of peace to me. And so just look across the page. I know Brent will preach this next week, but I want to close our service by reading it. It's the end of this section, which is John 14, 27. I'll leave you with this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, church. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me saying to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. That's the key. This has all happened now, folks. And do you believe it? He did it. He wrote it so that you would believe it. I will no longer talk with you much. The ruler of this world is coming. Remember where the world, who the ruler of this world is? Satan. Remember who he's with and in? Judas. That's where we left him. And he's coming back to the garden to get Jesus. He has no claim on me, praise the Lord. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And hey, as we go from here and this talk, this preach, would you know that Jesus has everything you need to carry your troubled heart? So whatever you're struggling with today, you lay it down at his feet. He loves you. He knows you. He can do it. Do you believe it?
Faith in Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. God, would you seal this message on our hearts? I know it's truncated. I know it's online, so it's hard to pay attention. There's no commercials. But God, we're here, and we're here for you. We're not here for anyone else. We're here because we need you. We need you to come back and get us. We want you to. We're so grateful that you prepared a place for us. Father, we, we have tons of questions and you have lots of answers. But help us to, in our unbelief, wait for the time when you will do it. <laughs> and thanks for inviting us to accomplish your work even now on this earth. Use our lives this week to glorify the Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.